0: Hello and welcome to another episode of But Why, the podcast that's all about digging into big questions and tricky topics via honest conversations. This week we're going to be looking at loneliness which actually, as I've been mulling it over the last couple of days, has I've found a very trickering, trickering, triggering subject to sit with, so this makes for a good conversation. And I am joined by a friend of the podcast, I've never said that before, but I think you can be it, and friend of mine and someone who I personally take a lot of wisdom from, it's Anna me- Anna, Anna, Martha. I ask you this every time. Anna, Anna Martha's good. I mean, no one,
1: unless, because it's an Indian surname, I don't say it right, my husband doesn't say you it give right. Me a Otherwise me crack of how you would say you take- you tell, I say Martha. What, oh, sh- My husband says Martha,
0: but I think it's more Mathur. Okay, if you okay in an Indian accent. Well, but This yeah. makes me <laughs> feel a bit, uh, <laughs> which makes, I don't makes me feel a bit better about stumbling about it because I think I've always <laughs> wanted to say Mather but that also isn't right. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, definitely not. Yeah. If it's, it's yeah of Indian heritage. Anyway, you've said mm-hmm. it, so we'll go with that. She is a mum yeah. of three, a psychotherapist, and a best-selling author. I mean, this woman knocks out books almost faster than you knocked out children, actually. Um, <laughs> she's passionate about talking about therapy outside of the therapy room and sharing her own personal and professional experiences to support mums through motherhood. Her own podcast, "A Therapy Edit, has over a quarter of a million downloads. I feel like that stat is a bit out of date. It's a million now, yeah. Over a million, you need yeah. You people to update yeah. your bio. I do, I do. We need to change that. That PDF. You tell I'm a super fan that I know that. Um, And her (laughs) new book, The Little Book of Calm for Mums, is out now. So three important questions, Anna: How are you really? What star sign? And favorite crisps? You know, I was thinking this morning. I was really excited
1: about these questions because I love hearing people's answers. So how am I really? I feel really heightened. I'm. I think I'm hormonal. I checked my app this morning, and that always just. I think just kind of heightens emotions. So As in your premenstrual, yeah, or, yeah, or, or. yeah. So I think um, I'm feeling things more, a bit more sensitive. So that will bring probably an extra layer of honesty and emotion to our to our chat. Um, tired because we had friends around last night. Um, I'm trying so hard to do that thing. You know when you keep saying to people, "Oh yeah, we'll get together." Mm. So I'm I'm starting to be really intentional. So I whip out my phone and I'm like, right, let's when. Because well the people we had round last night, we've been honestly saying that for about five years. Mm. So we, we walked past them the other day and we got our phones out and we put something in the diary and and got it done. And got it done. Which kind of, Ugh. you know, it it that this will come up in the topic that we're chatting about. So I'm really I, I loved having that company last night. What what was the next question? The crisps. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, my crisps. So I I, it changes because I go all out on one crisp, mm, and mm. then I have to. Then I get sick of them. So for ages, it was the maple and ba- maple syrup and bacon. Oh, Honestly, naughty. I couldn't. I would eat no other crisp, and now I can't look at them.
0: But, so now it's prawn cocktail. But you know, yeah. I think I'm right in saying, and I hope this is not just a personal conversation. You're thinking that you might have ADHD, and you know that hyperfixation on food is quite a yes. common trait of that. I definitely see that in myself,
1: and and when I look back, oh, do you know those bars? Those bars with the dried fruit? Oh, yeah, they make Gosh, what are they called? No, naked not bars. Um, yeah, naked oh, bars. Oh my gosh! At one point, I I kept buying them as if they were going to stop mm. selling them. I can't
0: look at those now either. Yeah, it's so weird, and you you, you also don't really see when the end of that hyperfixation is coming because you're like, oh, mm. I love it, I love it, I love it. Oh no, I'm not eating that ever again. Yeah.
1: I put carrot and coriander soup. I can barely say it in the microwave once at work, and in the three minutes it took to heat up, I couldn't. I I couldn't. I was off it. I was like, I cannot even. I and never since then, carrot and coriander soup is not my soup.
0: <laughs> and my star sign is Virgo. Uh, yeah, we discussed this, which I think, which it makes, makes sense. sense. Doesn't it? Well, I'm thinking with the food because you know the young people talk about getting the ick for other humans, which yes. I definitely relate to. Like, oh, I really like you. Oh no, there's something's just changed and you're now making, give me the egg. But food really doesn't do anything. That's completely in your own mind, isn't it? The curry yeah. coriander didn't taste any different that day. Yeah, to... But it was this
1: sudden aversion, almost like in pregnancy yes. where you, can, you can't even talk or think about that
0: food. And I, I, get and I wonder whether it's because it's kind of linked, because actually funnily you say that for me, it's definitely linked to kind of the naked bars have linked to kind of pregnancy. Yeah, or different chapters of your life, like that is what I ate during that phase, and that's not me anymore, therefore I can no longer obsessively do yes. the same thing. Yeah, but it, is, it yeah, is nice when you definitely. discover a new obsession and you're like, This is great,
1: yeah, because it brings so <laughs> it much does. joy. I wonder what I wonder when the porn cocktail crisps are going to be out because my kids really like them,
0: so yeah, yeah, I'll have to, you know, I can't overdo it, otherwise, they'll be sad. And I refuse to buy them. <laughs> when, you, when you can no longer have them. I think it's quite good yeah. to have split tastes from your kids and things like that, because then it's very clear what are yours and what, what aren't. Skips, not into those, <sighs> so on. They, they can keep the skips. Mm. I like them, but you just, you would have to be like five bags before you had any kind oh, of sense air. sense of satisfaction. Yeah. Flavor air. So we're going to be talking about loneliness. And as I said in my intro, the more I've mulled this, and I know you've been mulling it in, in terms of the work that you're doing, it, it leaves me with a really deep sense of sadness as I think about it and I, I was trying to unpick why that is it's a couple of things I think there's a bit of shame around loneliness and then the flip of that is a bit of guilt that um particularly I mean, it's quite a cliche but I think of of my granny and I hope that um who's no longer with us but I hope that you know the older people in my life don't anyone in my life doesn't feel lonely because i wouldn't like that when when you think of loneliness what springs to mind or how does it make you feel
1: yeah i think the same that same thing that sadness and when i and actually my brain suddenly hopped back to my psychotherapy training and we did we did some existential training, which is kind of like when they talk about the human givens, you know, the, the facts of life that, that are true for everyone. You know, we will die, everything comes to an end. And one of them, I found it very, very depressing. So I think these truths are often the ones that we try and try numb or try and ignore because they're, they're, they're sad, they're hard to think about. And one of them was that we're alone. You know, ultimately... Mm-hmm. You are one person and no matter what relationships you have and what depths of connection you have, you are one, you are one person in this world. Mm. You are an individual person in this world. And I just found that so painful to think about. Mm. And I think when we feel lonely, we're really getting in touch with that. You know, one of those core things of being human is, is that relationships are so important to us and we have to put a lot of, you know, often a lot of time and energy and investment into them. But ultimately the core of it is that no one can be everything to us no one can you know I don't know fulfill everything mm. you know fulfill that that desire and that need to to feel connected and
0: there's definitely a kind of moment in your childhood when you begin begin to become aware of that my kids are definitely at the phase now where they're saying I don't want you to ever die mummy and because you you have that sudden understanding that 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 can't be the case and I don't know how comfortable you are talking about it but you had the loss of your sister really early Mm. and I think there's definitely a sibling idea that I feel innately that my siblings will be by my side forever but that isn't the truth.
1: No and I remember I remember so starkly thinking if so my sister got diagnosed with cancer when I must have been about trying to think she was two three four five I must have been about six Ah. so six seven so I was the age my my oldest is now and I remember thinking if she were ever to die I wouldn't be able to live Mm. you know it was that it was that fear of being left it was that fear of I guess that that shift and that awareness that that nobody can be there forever, and I used to want my parents to promise me mm. this desperate desire for them to promise me that nothing that they wouldn't die. Mm. Uh, yeah, and I think again it comes down to that. I don't want to be alone
0: from you. <sighs> It's difficult, isn't it? Because the older I get now, I'm I'm more comfortable in my own company and I'm actually more crave my own company than I ever have. I've just watched um, Everything I Know About Love. Have you watched it, Dolly Alden? No, I haven't, but it's on my, it's, yeah, it's, it's on really my It's really brilliant. List. And there's a real scene where the protagonist, all her friends are out for the evening and she's left in the house on her own. And I remember it. And in your 20s, you literally do not know what to do in a, in a building on your own, she just like knocks around the house trying to. She can't like sit on the sofa. She can't do that. Yeah, she can't be on her own, which I definitely can now. But that doesn't mean that you. Um, it, there's such a difference between being alone and and loneliness, yeah. isn't there?
1: Yeah, and solitude and isolation as well. So, as I was thinking about this the other day, and I was writing something about it, you know, there's so, there's differences between all of these things, and there's difference between being alone and being lonely. We don't always feel lonely when we're alone. No. And there's a difference between solitude and isolation. I think for me, solitude is sometimes the thing that I seek. Mm. I know it's going to be good for me and it's something I crave. Isolation is more a separation that's kind of enforced Mm. or, you know, you feel isolated because of a circumstance or you feel disconnected from the people around you. So I think it's really interesting to kind of ponder what, what those mean. But they're all a disconnection. You know, it's whether it's choice or a yeah, disconnection from from people and sometimes from yourself. Like I think sometimes the
0: loneliness when we're alone mm-hmm. is that disconnection from ourselves. Yes. And and actually, you don't want to be alone because you don't want to try and yeah, lean into that that discomfort. Because actually, yeah, when you are left alone, you have to face some realities. Your mind is left to wander. And you, it might bring up some uncomfortable truths, but it's so true about the disconnection. Because I was trying to think of moments when I felt lonely. And I remember very specifically, I was the first of my friends to have a baby and the first of my siblings. So, yeah, first of anyone I really knew to have a baby. And I went out a year afterwards with my friends. And I just remember thinking, you don't know what I'm going through. And I no longer am in the world that you're in. And we're all here and we're having a nice time we're at a nice restaurant. But I feel really lonely because we, we we no longer have a shared kind of understanding of one another.
1: Yeah, it's our disconnection, isn't it? And I think it's that that feeling of being unseen. And you know, some of my loneliest moments in parenting or when I'm standing in the kitchen and it is flipping hard and I'm trying to contain all of the different emotions and I'm trying so hard not to shout and I feel like in that moment I feel like no one understands Mm. what this this feels like there's no one here to recognize me there's no one here to to say Anna that looks really hard or I know what that Mm. feels like and we can feel again we can feel really lonely even though we're not alone in our feelings and sometimes I have to literally remind myself of that is you know, I've, uh, one of my kids is neurodivergent. So we have a lot of challenges around kind of explosive emotions. And therefore, I'm having to contain those emotions and my own response to them. Because sometimes I just want to have my mm. own tantrum. And I just want to scream. And, and that is, you know, I think that's one of the hardest things in parenting is when you're, you know, everything in you wants to wants to run away from the storm but as mums we're called to walk towards it to walk towards and to stay in the eye of the storm and I find sometimes that is one of the loneliest feelings when I'm at home and I'm on I'm not on my own because I'm with the kids but you know I want someone to mother me I want someone to parent and affirm and encourage and support me and there isn't anyone and there's no one to see me in that moment and see how hard it is and that's why I think parenting can be can feel really lonely you know, beyond the support networks that we have, beyond the number of people that we have around us or the number of friends that we have, there are those moments where you feel
0: disconnected mm. from others. Oh, it, I mean, it, it, especially for me, and, and I'm sure you relate, but in the first six months of, of uh, motherhood, it was unbelievably lonely. And you, and you, And it's that contrast, isn't it, from having the life that you had and then these blank days with with nothing and the problem is also because your brain is pretty fried at that point you then do meet people and it's your first ever experience of those half conversations which you become more they become more normal and you accept them now but you you know the one the one thing you've got in your diary is to go for coffee with these other mums and you go there and no one is able to have a conversation or or see one another and then you leave feeling even more more lonely it's really tough
1: and i think that's that's it goes back to what i was saying at the beginning about trying to be more intentional about seeing people because the other day i did a school run and it was fine and i saw loads of people and i smiled at loads of people and i sat in the car afterwards <clears throat> and i i was feeling something like a sadness and i and what i like to do is name feelings to see which one fits And I, you know, like trying on clothes in a shop and I'll just say, am I feeling angry, bored, lonely in a way that I do to my kids sometimes when I'm trying to get to the bottom of what what is going on in them. And I just said lonely and it and it it was like a punch in the stomach and it was like this real kind of deep resonance of, wow, that's that's how Mm. I'm feeling. And I felt like crying and I thought, OK, I've seen so many people. I've seen. I've said hi to friends, people that genuinely care about me and who would listen to me and who I could have ta- spoken to. But when was the last time I actually had more than a com- mm. you know a passing conversation or you know chatting in the park where you're then dragged away because someone wants to go on the swing and Florence likes being pushed a lot. Mm. And <sighs> and I think in that moment I decided that I I needed more connection. Mm. You know, I think we have so many connections with people, more than ever. But it's like we're spread really thinly. And as humans, we're we're wired mm-hmm. for connection and vulnerability. And and I think I've we've gotten out of the habit. Again, I looked at the dinner table, you know, this table in our kitchen is really we bought it when we first bought our, our house in 2014. And it we we bought this big wooden table and our our dream and our desire was to host people have people around it and kind of create community and i looked at this table one saturday evening i felt really sad because we hadn't had a we hadn't had people mm. over for, for for a long mm. time you know on a saturday night we would have said to friends just come around let's play a ball game like it, you know super relaxed and i felt really sad and i i said to my husband i said we we've gotten out of the habit mm. of being with people mm. Um, well, so we started putting some dates in the
0: diary well, and it, it's good. Well, it's like this hangover from um, lockdown where actually when you're talking about a connection, I do remember that time when the weird journey of it. But when you were allowed to meet people for a walk and actually though we weren't seeing people very much, I'd then meet my best mates and would walk for a couple of hours and I'd have like such a brilliant, brilliant, like wholesome chat and now we're at this weird thing where we can see one another. We're out of the habit of inviting people over because probably we we think that, that, you know, we can't. But we're also not getting those moments like those, those precious walks. And we've, yeah, it's so true. And it's funny because I think there is a very collective sense of being a bit exhausted. And maybe this is it. And this is the cycle, isn't it? You feel exhausted and you think, I haven't got the capacity to see anyone. And you pull back and pull back and pull back. And suddenly, you haven't seen people for a long time, and yeah. and then seeing them is hard because you've got a lot to catch up on, and it's easy to yeah to
1: skip it. And social anxiety as well. You know, I think so many people are experiencing that that haven't experienced it before, and it's just it's just that our comfort zones got so incredibly small mm. that even you know some of those steps outside of them feel feel quite big. And I, I was listening to a talk the other day, and someone was talking about how um they were talking about the story of this bird in a cage and it was this amazing bird and they were going to free it and they had this big ceremony and they were going to they opened this the door of this cage and the the bird stayed in the cage and he said it was so profound he was like it wasn't that the bird was in the cage it was that the cage was in the bird wow i know i know and i think you know relating this to loneliness is that we it's like i think many of us have have kind of like embodied this this disconnection Mm. and we don't have there is more for us Mm. there is more you know there are people that we have friendships with and relationships with that actually we can we can lean on those a little bit more than perhaps we've been in the habit of doing so we can be a bit more vulnerable than perhaps we you know maybe we've lost our confidence in doing so and it's Mm. I think some of these things are there for us it's just that we it's like the cage is inside of us.
0: Yeah, and I think actually at the beginning I said, oh, when I think of loneliness, I get this sense of guilt. And that is an important thing to remember. If I feel heartbroken that anyone who I, you know, in my core would ever feel lonely, I hope that there's the equivalent there for me. But I think we need to yeah remember that we can lean into that but something I also observed in myself that when I'm doing the equivalent of what you talked about in the kitchen of when it's all crashing around you I can sometimes ladder towards resentment and to feeling angry that that people aren't seeing me and the you know the the narrative of why aren't I being helped and and that yeah that's that's becomes a terrible thing because you you put again you put the barriers up and you make yourself more difficult to, to connect with, I yeah. guess. Well, I think it's the both,
1: isn't it? You know, there was one morning and I called up my husband and actually everyone, it was just, it was so hard and he, he was leaving at 7am and he'd just seen the kids, you know, it was, it was hard already at that point in the morning and he, and I stood on the doorstep and I cried as he left. I saw him go down the road and I cried and I thought, you're, you're leaving me and i called. i called him later on the phone and it was it was just awful and i'd snapped at the kids and i i was just shouting down the phone at him that i hated him and and later on he was like that was so hurtful and i said yes but in that moment i think there needs to be sometimes we need to be able to separate out for ourselves the acceptance of the situation that i i accept that he has to go mm. to work i respect that and I accept mm. that. But also sometimes I resent that mm. and that mm. is incredibly hard and I feel very alone. And I think it's, it's reminding yourself and sometimes having that, that conversation maybe with that significant other or whoever else it is in your life in which you, you sometimes experience that dichotomy where the, the circumstances are right and they're mm. important <laughs> and you respect them and you accept them. But in that moment, it, it has an impact mm. And I think it's okay to feel that resentment and to acknowledge that whilst also know that beside that is is that acceptance that that, that is how it is. And actually you don't want to you wouldn't want to change that. You wouldn't want to ask for that to be changed. Um and I think this is often where the guilt comes in, is when the one thing feels at war with the other, as if you can't find something hard whilst also accepting that it is how it is. And yeah, sometimes it is it is lonely, mm. and it, and oh, and that that has to be okay.
0: And it, and and actually, the size of that feet, those feelings, and yeah, it's it's hard, isn't it? It's really hard, mm. and it's lonely to have to have all of that going on in your head. But I so know what yeah. you mean. And actually, it's usually particularly when I'm premenstrual, which I don't I don't apologise for. But it's when suddenly the sum of the parts and the size of the things that you're holding together feels yeah undoable and yeah I know that I I can do it and I will do it and we chose to do it and it was all the right decisions it doesn't mean in that moment on that doorstep you don't want to have a massive weep about it and yeah uh, yeah and I and I think that is the crux of what these relationships have to be to allow me to be that most yeah and difficult version of myself or what I don't know what the right language is and hopefully not take it personally yeah
1: and i think it is just constant it's thinking what is the foundation of that experience the foundation of that experience is that this is the circumstance you wouldn't change it you accept it and you respect it but then there are other feelings that sit on top of that sometimes and they change you know sometimes there is absolute joy and privilege and that is the focus and that is the main Mm. feeling and sometimes there is loneliness and and you know and maybe resentment or and and i think it's 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 that recognition and that being able to verbalize that the foundational feelings are, you know, they are good and they are acceptance and they are respect. But what is on top of them needs to be able to Mm. change and you need to be able to verbalize it. Because I think that's also where that guilt comes in around loneliness is that, you know, if I love these people, and I'm grateful for them, and I recognize the privilege of having them in my life, then I I shouldn't feel mm. lonely or I shouldn't. And then, you know, we start shaming ourselves for what is just, it's a feeling and it's a human response to to that circumstance and it will change and it will. But I think in rec- when we stop shaming ourselves for mm. emotions, it enables us then to respond to them in a way that is respectful of them. So I notice my loneliness or I notice that feeling of resentment and I think, okay, I'm not going to shame myself for it because then I'll be stuck in it. What do I need? Actually, I need to, ah, uh, you know, to facilitate to ask people around me to facilitate me going out for a walk with a mm-hmm. friend and having that time of of real connection because that's the antidote to loneliness. Mm-hmm. It's it's connect, you know, it's connection and vulnerability. Yeah,
0: and I think you, I mean, you're the queen of of um, celebrating that. When I'm in those kind of more crisisy moments in my mind, I'm very prone to going to Extreme, so it's like, oh, I've got no friends. Nobody cares about me. I never go out. And actually, the truth is, I I have got friends, and all I don't need a week. I mean, a week in Ibiza would be lovely, but what I would, what I actually need is probably like a couple of hours with a coffee and a walk. And and it's so much more attainable. And it's it's a real classic. Don't don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't need to change your whole life just because you're you're feeling a bit rubbish one day.
1: Yeah, and I think for you, you know, in that moment, it's noting the the foundation. What is the truth <coughs> of the situation? The truth is that you are known and you are loved and you have people that care about you. So that's the foundation. And then the feeling upon that is that you feel alone, you feel disconnected and you're craving company and you just want to feel, you want to be in the company of people that accept you. Mm. You know, and the two, the two can both exist. So when you don't shame yourself for feeling that, then you're more likely then
0: to kind of, to seek that coffee and to seek that. That conversation. Mm. There's definitely something that I've been thinking when you've been talking as well the, the fundamentals of why I started Mother of All Lists was because in my most like challenging moments whether that's the financial challenges, relationship challenges, career challenges, mental health challenges there was always this layer of feeling weird and and, and feeling alone with it and actually that just sends you further into your place doesn't it? it you just need to know that someone else as you said earlier someone else even the the, the most weird and unusual parts of our life someone else has has experienced the equivalent haven't they oh absolutely and
1: and I think it's you know it's that empathy of you might not know exactly what it feels like to be in that situation but you know what it feels like to feel lonely you know what it feels like to feel frustrated or overwhelmed or resentful and funnily enough the other the other day um I'd had a really hard morning our mornings are often really challenging um full of a lot of crying and screaming and shouting and hitting and not not me although sometimes there are there definitely are tears on my side as well and I I um I went to school and I had my big sunglasses on and a friend um she said to me are you okay and I just burst into tears because I I just you know I wasn't and and it was just so lovely because I felt so seen in that mm-hmm. moment um and, you know, I was like, I'm really sorry. She said, don't worry, it'll be me next week. Mm. And you know what? It was yeah. the same thing happened the other yeah. way around. And then again, another friend, as she was getting out of the car, I said, are you okay? You know, it's so sunny today. Are you okay? She said, and she started mm. crying. And then she was so apologetic. And I said, don't worry, it'll mm. be me next week. And it may well be. And I think it's, you know, it's in those moments of vulnerability where we can feel that connection and people can be mm. there and they can't fix mm-hmm. it and they can't change it but they can recognize us and they can see us. And I think it's a shame when we wait for those moments where it it all spills out mm. and falls over that, that we allow those moments to happen. I think the most nurturing and nourishing kind thing is to
0: seek those moments when they don't feel so urgent. Yeah, when it's not reached that point, and also I think yeah, what you're talking about, I've got a friend who uh, we, you know, our lives are very closely aligned, and so often she'll text me afterwards and be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry for bending your ear," and I've never walked away from that interaction feeling like that. And you, we have to try in the same way with our relationship with leaving work, Ellen. Not apologise, don't apologise. Like I think the framing, if you want to acknowledge it, is to say thank you for listening, but don't apologise for for being a person going through stuff and again that's a message to myself because I never I never feel that about being there for my friends I feel honored that they're being the most vulnerable version of themselves with me yes
1: and this is this is what deepens connection so if the if the antidote to loneliness is connection you know vulnerability is what Mm. connects us together so as we as we allow ourselves to be open with each other we give we give that sense of privilege to that person. You know, it's, it is often, isn't it? It's that deep privilege that you were able to be there for that Mm. person and you could hear them and you could see them and that made a difference. And yeah, you know, this is how we, this is how our
0: relationships become deeper and richer. And it's uh, it, there's there's so many layers to this as well because I'm thinking again with a similar friendship group. I remember going round to someone's house and they're like, you know what? Should we just come? Should we just all turn up in our joggers and get a takeaway? And that once upon a time that could be oh you know oh I haven't cooked we aren't dressing up I'm not making an effort, but actually you have the best time because everyone's you're inviting everybody to show up as a, a version of themselves. And I know that you have relationships with people close by who you do that kind of very early morning walk with sometimes and actually not putting those layers that stand in the way of connection that make it harder to get to, that you don't have to put a good outfit on or have the right things. Let's just do it now. It's so much better, isn't it? Yeah, I
1: remember. So the difference between having my first baby and my third baby, (laughs) of which my second baby was the catalyst of this. So my first one was very much, I I was out in Sainsbury's the morning after giving birth. And with makeup on, in fact, I left the hospital looking like the last few hours hadn't even happened. Um, and I remember going around Sainsbury's and thinking and saying to my husband, I need to go and sit in the car because I think everything's going like, to, I felt like everything was going to fall out of me. And I went and sat in the car because I realized physically I couldn't do that. And then I had my middle child and went through the real fire of um undiagnosed silent reflux it just really stripped me back in the most painful and incredible way and then so that was very much just a survival time but then Florence when I had her I remember I was so tempted her friend was due to come over and meet her and see us and I was so tempted to say don't come over I'm a mess Mm. and then actually you know what I actually said was come over I'm a mess." And I think that was the difference between the first time and the third time was, Mm. you know, don't, don't look at my vulnerability. Don't come over. I'm in a mess. I, I I don't want you to see me like this. Everything's a state. I'm a state. And then that, you know, that third time was actually, I'm a state. Everything's a state. I need you to come Mm. over. I need you just to step into this space and be with me and Mm. see me. And you know, it makes me, there's so many, I told you I was hormonal. I told you this was going to be an emotional <laughs> one. But there's so much in that, in that as humans, we, we deserve connection. We deserve to be seen. Mm. And yeah, I think when we feel lonely, often that, that is what is not
0: happening. Mm. But you, it becomes this cycle, doesn't it? Because when I'm sat, when I'm in that thing in the kitchen that you talked about, I'm like, why does nobody know how hard this is for me? It's because you have done such a good job at hiding how hard it is for you. you you've, which in itself is difficult. You've added this diff, this, this difficult layer. Exactly that. Like uh, yeah. with Greta, I was in my pajamas for a long time because, guys, I've just had a baby and I need you all to see that. And therefore, I'm not going to get up and make you a cup of tea because I've just had a baby. You can see it. I look like someone who's yeah, in. You can make me yeah, one. You can see yeah. I'm in recovery. Yeah. Look at it. And uh, yeah, and so we have to get comfortable with with letting our own barriers down and it's really difficult.
1: Yeah, because I, I think sometimes the times I've m- been most looked most put together to the world have been the times when internally I am the least. And I, you know, I look back and I think looking like I have it together has been my defense against falling apart 100%. you know it's been my defense against nobody asked me if I'm actually okay because I I might I might have I might break mm. and and I can't afford to break mm. because I've got young children or I've got a baby or I've got a toddler or you know I can't afford to, to break right now because I need to function and and I think it's it's again it's those barriers that that tell the world that we're okay mm. and I'm a real one for that like I I often look really put together because I love makeup. Mm. I love, you know, I I like getting dressed in the morning, even if I've got five minutes, even if it's been a hard morning. I'll step out and look, mm. look like I've got it together. But the truth is often, it's often different, and it's it's hard, isn't it? Because you you might present to the world in a way because you enjoy that or because it's a defence, and then you know people are so easily seduced by how you mm. look on the outside. Is an indicator of how you are on the inside. I remember again one of those pertinent moments when I used to work in advertising, and I I got pulled, you know, for uh, appraisal, and they said, you know, Anna, if you just work this a little bit harder, you can get you could be in line for a, a promotion, and I and I started crying, and they were they were just like, oh, okay, that's not what we were expecting, and. The reality of it was is that I'd been crying every morning on the way over the Waterloo Bridge talking to my mum, every evening on the way home. I was so unhappy. I was just about kind of managing to do everything because I was such a perfectionist that that how I presented to them was completely different to the reality. And I remember a colleague saying, Anna, if you're stressed, you need to look more stressed. Like you need to look, you know, they won't believe mm. that it's too much. If you're not looking and I just found that so hard because it's not in my Mm. nature, but that's vulnerability. And I think regardless of how we present to the world, whether it works for or against us, sometimes we need it's a discipline. Vulnerability is a discipline. It's I need to be open with people. Mm. I need Mm. to be having these conversations. I need to be pushing myself beyond that. I'm fine. Or I'm okay, or I'm just having a tough day. Just with two or three people, mm. I would say to my clients, two or three people in your life, you know,
0: base, base level that need to know how you are. And but it, you're right; it's a reflex because with uh, how are you? You know, we the words have come out of your mouth of oh yeah, I'm fine, or it's good, yeah, all right. You, you do it because that's what you because that's what you do, and you have to actually give people the, the truthful answer and, and provided they're the right people that's never a burden is it?
1: No and when I was in my darkest time after um, having a middle child and going through all the postnatal depression and I my friends knew that I wasn't okay but I actually and I had some lovely friends some lovely antenatal friends that I'd met first time round, so they really did care about me but I found it so much easier to type my feelings into an online community mm. so I'd been added to a Facebook group after joining a baby center group or something and I found it easier to type my feelings to to that group of women that I hadn't Mm -hmm. met before than to talk to my friends about it and I think sometimes that has to be you know something is always better than nothing and their compassionate and kind supportive responses in time gave me the confidence to speak to those in those physically Mm -hmm. in my life So I think, you know, as long as it is happening, as long as you are finding those spaces or finding those, you know, ideally it would be in, it would be people around you, but let's face it, some people literally don't have supportive Mm. people in their, in their lives at the moment. So where can you seek that, even if it's online, even if it's anonymous, so that you are adding value to your feelings and your experiences and allowing someone to revert with a kind and compassionate, supportive response. Mm
0: you touched on that you know this this um idea of of it taking a village and it definitely does take a village and because of the way we all live now often people aren't close to their families or don't have that network and it it's really difficult isn't it to because to, you need to rely on people and yeah it's it, yeah. it's hard it's
1: very hard and it can come down to so you know a lot of the therapy that i do with mothers is around I haven't got that support network Mm. and there are a few reasons for that sometimes it might be that you have people there you just don't have the depth of that relationship there or it might be that you have you're fearful of being emotional emotionally vulnerable because someone has someone has misunderstood you or maybe even abused that vulnerability at some point in your life so for you that is a terrifying thing to Mm. do you know what if they don't understand me what if they can't validate that what if they they twist that what if you know and and it I think there are a few reasons as to why we can feel village less. And it's often about, you know, therapy is amazing if that can be accessed. I've got a book called Know Your Worth, which which can help with this if um, that's not something that is accessible for you. It's about growing in confidence and taking those small steps of vulnerability. And it might just, you know, testing the water. Because you to hear your story and behind the your behind the scenes is a privilege. That needs to be earned. Okay, we don't need to tell everyone everything. And we, we have a right to want to feel safe in doing so. Mm. So I tell people to, te- to take take little risks to test it out. So it might be that you've got one friend who has historically been kind and supportive. I always say choose someone who has historically mm. been kind and supportive on whatever level. And and just, you know, maybe they ask you if you're okay. And you just say, you know what, I would normally say yes, but actually I'm going to say I had a, actually. I've had a really mm-hmm. tough morning, and see how mm-hmm. they respond, and maybe then next time take it that little bit further, and see how they respond. So you're actually, you're testing the waters and kind of dipping your toe a little bit further in each time, and hopefully, what will happen in time is that you'll find a couple of people who, who can,
0: yeah, who can, who can handle it, who can be supportive. Mm as you're talking I'm thinking it's slightly unrelated but it does tie back a thing. um Lucy Sheridan the comparison coach when she's previously emailed me to ask for a favor for something and at the end of that she always says and if you want ever need anything in return don't forget to ask me I I'm waiting to you know this is an I you you know I owe you and I just love that bit of uh, language at the end because then it makes me feel really comfortable whenever that might be, six months, a year down the line to do that. And I I think I'm sitting here thinking, well, I'm not in the, in the early baby bit anymore. And I do feel kind of a bit more grounded than I have to be able to offer that up to the people that might not, because I think that's that's the task isn't it when when to pull that out of other people to try and help them and then in turn hopefully yeah. when you when you need it you're able to do the same
1: yeah and I think it's known that you know things do come in swings mm-hmm. and
0: roundabouts and
1: sometimes you might feel really uncomfortable that you're allowing a friend to be there for you but but also verbalize that yeah. you know I might say to a friend you know I want to I want to talk about you and she might say no Anna we need to talk mm. about you and I'm like oh gosh I find it so uncomfortable and she'll she might say well it'll be my turn at some point yeah. point." and sometimes you know it's just sometimes it's just your time mm. and the way that the world works
0: it will be their time at some point point. Really? and it's just trusting that yeah And I think also in that postpartum thing, it's a bit of a cliche, but I always remember people saying, oh, how can I help? And because your brain is gone and because you don't know, because you don't, I could never even verbalise that. Whereas if someone had a baby now, a close friend or a sibling, I would say, let me come over and bring you a meal. Let me come over and take your kids to the park. Again, it's that, that swings and roundabouts when you're able to be the one who can be there for someone doing that in the most useful way possible, I suppose.
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes your yes, please feels, you know, you might say that with your palm sweating and your heart Mm. racing, but that's a gesture to yourself Mm. that, and also a gesture to your children. like When someone is offering support that you actually need and everything in you is wanting to say, no, thank you. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. You know, again, what if what would it be like to verbalise that to your friends? Say, everything in me wants to say no, but I'm really challenging myself to say yes, please. So I'm going to say yes, please, but know that this is yeah. hard. And I'm, grateful. and I'm so grateful and I'd normally say no, but I want to say yes. And again, that just deepens that yes. connection because we, when we lean on each other, you know, it it's it's enriching that relationship and, and it's giving us that connection. Yeah.
0: Because all your best friends are the ones who've, you've, you've, or for me, or the most important people in my life are the people who I've, I've shared the most with, and I've, yeah, they've seen me at my absolute worst, and then you get to celebrate and and knowing each other at the best. I'm also thinking, like, trying to think of ways to help this. I know something that you and I really do. Which I love is that we're not in touch like day to day at all, but once in a while we send it, we voice note each other with with it. utterly yeah. like mental ramblings. But I think while a voice note isn't the same as as seeing someone, it's so nice that idea that someone's thought of you and that they're just sharing what's in their head and 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 it's so easy just to think of someone and then do nothing with it but actually just saying yeah I saw this I thought of you hope you're well just it's, it's those little moments in a day that that really do make you feel like you're seen I suppose
1: I think there's I think there's I think voice notes are wonderful and I think it's so easy to overlook the small Mm. things, you know, but then again, it's, it's that going back to something is always better Mm -hmm. than nothing. We got so fatigued by the digital connection over, over, you know, the pandemic, but, but we also have to admit that that was what kept us going at the same Mm -hmm. time, you know, because it was better than nothing. It might feel like, you know, a crisp when you want a full roast, Mm. you know, it's, it's, it's never fully feeding you what you're craving but it's better than nothing and I think voice notes are amazing because they have their they're more nuanced than the uh than the messages like do you, mm. do you know what I mean you're less likely to kind of get cross wires mm. and interpret things differently and and it's 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 the voice and I think it's more conversational and I love them because I can store them up and listen to them in the car or and it it, it feels like you know, it feels more like connection. And then when you actually do get to see each other, there's something already mm. there. There's a knowingness there. And I think, yeah. I think they're a bit of a gift, I aren't think they?
0: They're great. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm conscious of time, but one thing you did tap in on with that with that digital connection. I know that's something that can be problematic and, and for you and I it's on a bigger scale. But people are again, because they're seeing what I'm doing on social media, which is part of my job, they feel like they've they're in contact with me and that they're part of my lives and they're like oh yeah you've been doing this 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 and this coming it's like yeah but you haven't we haven't had that connection between you and I you've observed it and that can feel really difficult and yeah as I say it's our jobs but that's happening often with all of anyone with their social presence yeah. and I think we have to remember just because we've seen it on the internet doesn't mean that that, that connections happened for real Yes. And actually,
1: I remember a friend not, not kind of just not ignoring my messages, but just not kind of replying to them. And I said, I said, you know, what's gone? Like, what's this about? We've been friends for so long. And she said, to be honest, Anna, I just see you every day on stories. I feel like I am connected with you. I'm like, there is so much going on in my life right now that is not on yeah. there. You know, I think I was early pregnant, really struggling with just being incredibly, incredibly sick. And there was other stuff going on in my life that I wasn't sharing on there. You know, and it was, it's just that illusion, Mm. isn't it? And I think it's sometimes we believe what we see. So we have to consciously remind ourselves that there's more Mm -hmm. there. There's more of a story there. So if you're watching a friend on Instagram, then, you know, don't let that be your connection because there is more of a story that they will be
0: happy to share with you. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, my mum sometimes is like, oh, I'm just waiting for you to put another picture on Instagram, Chloe. Mum, just ask me whatever picture you want. Yeah, I'll send you you the picture. I'll send you a yeah, of them. Yeah, don't wait for Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> um, definitely not. And again, there's a whole part of my life that I it's the same vulnerability that I do reserve for those people, and I and I want to share with them. And and that isn't that that um, Instagram is an illusion. It's just because it's different versions of my life and the yeah. filtering.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: um,
1: definitely. So
0: two questions before you have to nip off. Um, what do you have to shout about your new book? Yes, the little bit of calm. Um, so it's called for new mums. But
1: actually, the over one with feedback is that it's for there's stuff in there for all mums. And it's, it's not a front to back book, you just literally pick an emotion. There's a whole list of emotions at the front from boredom, resentment, anger, loneliness. Um, it, there's just so many touched out. And you just flip to that page. And there's just a few words there. Some, to ground mm. and encourage and just untangle or reframe that emotion a little bit. So that's what and it is. It's funny. So
0: it's not a front to back book, but it's the sort of book that then does, does, does draw you in. You're like, Oh yes, you have nailed it. I'll go on to the next one. And then the next one. Yeah. It, I hope really so. Good. I just want, I want it to be that, that book that feels like the,
1: these are the words that you need to hear these, you know, in those moments of loneliness and there's loneliness in so many of the feelings because you feel alone mm. in them, you know, just having, having some words to help you realize that you're not alone in that like it's common enough for me to have written it down yeah. in a in a book and um yeah just to help reframe it and take the shame out of it and bring some compassion into
0: it it's fantastic as all your books are and last question you. if you could have an honest conversation with one person who would it be and what would you say oh
1: goodness me well this is this is hard isn't it and i should have seen this one coming yeah, a... don't,
0: oh, edit, your, who don't edit who yourself? would it be who would it be
1: um so well I I just Brene Brown springs to mind I mean just because I just uh, I devour all of Mm. her stuff but I'm not I'm not even sure what that honest conversation would be because she she literally shares so much she you know she's the queen Mm. of vulnerability she she shares but I think I'd just quite like to be in her presence and absorb it yeah
0: oh yeah I hope it wouldn't be a case of meeting your heroes and then no it should be great it should be really great She'd be great, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be yeah, an honest conversation other than to say, "I love you," <laughs> and the work. I love, love the work that you do. What a queen! That she is for being the guiding light on it all.
1: Oh, that power of vulnerability TED Ugh. Talk was was a. I remember listening to that, walking around mm. Tooting Common in a really dark place, and that was, a, you know, that was a that was a catalyst
0: for change that has changed the rest of my life. I Completely agree. She just articulates yeah. that that like. The, the call to courage that is vulnerability it's like oh you've just oh. Uh, you've just kind of made me feel better oh. about my entire existence and the way I yes. process the world
1: yes if it was a weakness it wouldn't be so hard it's bra- It's bravery and it this is connection this is what inspires connection
0: and this is the antidote to loneliness so so, yeah. Brene there we go what, what one to end okay. on thank you Anna for, <laughs> a, you a, for a gorgeous gorgeous chat and let's do that thing where we actually see each other in real life yes we will let's 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 make that happen okay have a brilliant rest of your day thank you so much ah well is it the irony or the pleasing thing about a conversation like that with anna is that it inherently makes me feel less lonely because i look at anna and the work that she does and as she says how beautifully groomed she is and you think that that girl's got it together she's got a great support network how could she ever feel lonely or how could she ever be crying on the doorstep to her husband but but rest assured uh, most people if not everyone has these moments and that knowledge in and of itself is enough to tip the balance for me so that when I am spiraling in loneliness and potential resentment um to know to stop myself and and hopefully to do the brave thing and just let someone know that it isn't going as well as perhaps you're making it appear. So that's that thank you so much for listening uh, it's been another episode of But Why, I'm always always interested to hear what you think to know if you two have ever felt lonely, please do get in touch on um, at But Why Insta or But Why at Clemmie Telford, I'd look forward to hearing you from you, I am now off to change all the beds and shovel the stuff in the car we're selling the house we've had the photos taken but we've got the first lot of viewings happening and that means basically trying to declutter our lives and make it look a bit more appealing so i'm off to do that have a good day speak to you next week bye-bye